ladies and gentlemen, Chris Hewitt is dead. Instead, you are listening to the mechanized organism designed only. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Don't you make me laugh. For podcasting. That's right, folks. I am Modop. And no, Chris, you're Modop. 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 Modop, Steve. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials post film immediate react. I need to work in the moment. <laughs> immediate reaction special show pod type things. What is that acronym? What is that acronym? <laughs> Uh, this one is dedicated to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We have just seen the film in London's bustling Leicester Square in the heart of the West End. And now we have hot-footed it here to the studio to have an immediate reaction to what we have just seen. The third and perhaps final part of the Ant-Man trilogy. The 31st Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are now, we have reached, as far as I'm aware, we have reached... Carry on Columbus. <laughs> so if we were looking for carry on comparisons, this would be carry on Columbus. Folks, I don't know what you thought of it, but this is a fuck ton better than carry on Columbus. <laughs> I would recommend if you've never seen carry on Columbus, maintain that state of affairs. It's a terrible, terrible film. Anyway, I'm joined in the studio by my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Well, one's actually technically speaking, not a colleague, but more of a friend, <laughs> a lovely friend. friend. Please welcome for the first time on the Empire podcast, one of my oldest and dearest friends. He was my best man. I was his best man. He's now all your best man. He is... David Howes. Hello, David. Hello, how are you? How are you doing, David? I'm good. I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying coming down from Happy Valley. Just to give a bit of context to who I am. I am the best man, but I also live in Hebden Bridge. So let's let's be a little bit more zeitgeisty. A bit, you know, Happy, happy Valley. Uh, I thought you meant Happy Valley was where you were coming down after having seen that and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yeah, it's kind of coming down. <laughs> My I mean, former I... best man. <laughs> All right, before we get on to David uh, and his friendship-breaking opinions, uh, we're also joined by Sophie Butcher. Hello, Sophie. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you, Chris? Excellent. Great small talk. And <laughs> finally, last but very much least, it's Amon Warman. Hello. I can't believe you said that. After we did the Marvel fanfare together, we, com- it was we so conducted beautiful. it. it was One brilliant. of you was slightly out. You were slightly oh. out. <laughs> Um, it could not have been me. My sense of rhythm, my sense of timing is impeccable. Amon is made of music. <laughs> well, it, my favourite bit was when you pinged just in time with the iMac. That, oh, yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> that may be. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So if you've, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the IMAX countdown, it's especially mm. great on a screen as big yeah. as the one as it was mm-hmm. in the uh, in the cinema. And it goes, you know, from 10 down to, as countdowns do, from 10 down to 1. <laughs> and it finishes it with actually a black screen. It actually stops at 4, it's really weird. Does it? Yeah. I've usually blacked out by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited about cinema. <laughs> oh my God, it's cinema and it's fucking huge. Uh, Dave, we can swear in this, by the way. Uh, mm. uh, where do you stand as a school teacher? Uh, you're very sweary when well, you're no, off mic. No, I, I tell the children they have to swear smart. So uh, if they're going to swear, I yeah. tell them just go into a field, nobody's around, <laughs> just say fuck, shit, you know, all the options. I say, but if you're around little kids, they will tell on you. They will. Mm. They will. Mm. And so yeah. swear smart, kids. Yeah. I said, they, I ask them, do you think I swear? They go, no. I go, fucking yeah, I do. <laughs> In my head. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, 
little drinking game. That's what we call my daughter in the podcast because we can't say her, her name for, for legal reasons. Um, but little drinking game. We <laughs> were walking along the other day and I said something about the weekend or plans of falling through or change or something like that. And she went, okay, shit. <laughs> and I went, uh, what? What did you just say? And she went, Shit. <laughs> and I went, well, that's a. She's been listening a, to the podcast. She's been listening to the pod. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an adult word, sweetie. That's a word only adults say to each other. Well, why don't you say it to children? Good question. Mm. Maybe we should. Maybe yeah. we should uh, normalize saying shit to kids. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> kids swearing, never not funny, though. Never not funny. Who remembers what I was talking about. You're talking about the IMAX 10 to 1. Yes. And then Amon did the bing at the same time <laughs> as the, the thing went bing on the screen. <laughs> and was that the best thing you saw all all afternoon or a slash evening? Amon, where did you stand on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Bear in mind, I do not know what any of you thought about the film. Dave did turn to me at the end and go, that was better than I expected. <laughs> so Damning that's good. Price. Which yeah. we can't tell how, yeah, how good or bad yeah. that is. Like, how, what were you expecting, Dave? <laughs> Carry on, Columbus. <laughs> I was expecting to, well, not pay for it. <laughs> and, and, and you did met that <laughs> And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I abs- Come on! <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just preempting. I absolutely loved Kang. The oh. Conqueror. Jonathan Majors ate that up. I cannot wait to talk about that performance in more detail. The film itself, I liked it. Didn't love it. Um, I think there was some really, really fun stuff there. I liked how bonkers it was on the CGI visual level. I think there are some themes that are undercooked. I think there are some characters. Mm. This is the second... Uh, MCU film in which the Wasp is in the title of an MCU film and uh, my goodness <laughs> it, you made the classic mistake <laughs> you made the classic mistake of assuming that Hope Van Dyne is the Wasp of the title it's clearly Janet Van Dyne in this movie mm. so it should be technically Ooh. Ant-Men and the Wasps <laughs> Quantumania Michelle Pfeiffer is very very good and I do love that she got more to do here but mm. um, Hope Van Dyne Evangeline Lilly's character um, mm. got the short shrift I also would have liked more for Michael Douglas than just pushing the plot forward and saying a lot of expositionary dialogue, which I think he does. And it didn't feel like he was as invested in this as he maybe could have been. He felt like he was I suspect a little, you probably little bit. hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he said the word ants, I just thought of that video that he did. Ants. Yeah. ants. Have you seen that? No. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel I've just perhaps seen an version of it. No, nothing can explain how good this video is. Dave, same with me uh, later on, so maybe I'll give you a sneak, a sneak yeah. a little preview back at home. But uh, yeah, it's a promotional video for the first Ant-Man where Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas um, I guess it's the first Ant Man, and they couldn't <laughs> say no. We're basically just going it's so funny. ants, and they're like, tapping, they're like and glaring at the did, camera. Did they yeah. wiggling like, that way. They're wiggling. They're literally oh, wiggling, they're, and they're, they're beating, dancing. They're and beating their the thighs and going ants. And it's interspersed with shots of ants. Yeah, literally, David. Nothing can prepare you. Even that very detailed explanation cannot prepare you for actually watching this video. You might like it better than the film. <laughs> I'm just disappointed I haven't seen a video with um, just. Uh, Spiders. Spiders. <laughs> so Only a matter of time. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm Tom Holland. Go on. I'm in the general like 
not like, where where would this where would, you, where, would you, where would you stand on uh, three stars? I didn't ask that question. What would you stand? Uh, three. Give it, give it a give it a star rating. Oh, Empire so has come down in three stars. I think that's harsh. No, that's where I am. That's on the film. Absolutely correct. Three stars is correct for me. You're an absolute idiot, uh, Sophie. <laughs> where do you stand in the film? Um, pretty similar to be fair. Liked it, didn't love it. I'm sorry. Uh, I liked a lot about it. Um, for definite. Um. As Amon said, I loved Kang. I liked Michelle Pfeiffer. Kang. I thought it was funny. I don't know why I didn't expect it to be as funny because it's an Ant-Man film and it's Paul Rudd and everyone's mm. very funny in it. And I liked that a lot. I liked the weirdness. The action let me down. Um, yeah, Hope Van Dyne, her characterization let me down. Um, Which one was Hope? I mean, it's hard to tell. Is she, was she in the film? She didn't really do much. Um, At the end of the film, they remember that they're meant to be a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, put them on I, screen. I was thinking about that during the film. The, the love between them. I know that they're saying the right words, but I didn't really feel it. No. It's, it's It's interesting. I think it was a red carpet interview, one of these uh, premieres recently, that Evangeline Lilly said she would like, to, she would like a Hope spin-off film because there's more to Hope than competence. I would love to see yeah. what that more is. Yeah. Because competence is, I mean, all well and good, and she is great in action, and she's very, very useful in that regard. But as opposed to other stuff, aside from arguing with her mum with a couple of scenes, there's not really much else to her. I was counting film. scenes in which, you know, there's obviously Janet, who is one of the big drivers of this movie, mm. and I was delighted to see Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer finally get something to do after mm-hmm. yeah. showing up for the last five minutes of Ant Man and the Wasp and that one shot for Tony's funeral in Endgame, <laughs> which she doesn't speak at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those count as part of a contract film. I'm like, sure this yeah. is. Okay. No, I think that was my second film. Oh, that was my second film. Okay, fine. Literally, Samuel L. Jackson already has like the world's biggest box office. He's in that film for what? 10 seconds? Not even 10 seconds. Not <laughs> yeah. even 10 seconds. So and that counts most, towards his overall Samuel is... Jackson is the biggest box office earlier. So I suspect he just turns up and says, I'm going to be in this film. And they go, yeah, he's going to be in this that's film. So far off. That's, <laughs> how, that's, no. that's how you go into Star Wars. He went, went on a talk show and said, I'd like to be in Star Wars and I want, just <laughs> check it out. There's I need to try this. There's an interview. He went on a talk show and went, I'd like to be in Star Wars and I'd like to have a purple lightsaber. And George Lucas was watching it at home going, oh, that sounds like a good do, idea. Do you I'm think next time in. he's going to be on a new chat show going, hey, you know that Avatar movie? I've got to give you some of that. I'd like a purple lightsaber, please. Yeah, I want my Navi to be purple. <laughs> oh my word. Uh, anyway, Michelle Pfeiffer was uh, in those scenes and Michael Douglas was also present and they mm. got stuff to do and I was counting listen I really like this film I sense I'm way more up at it than you guys mm-hmm. um, but I was, was counting the, the, the number of lines that Evangeline Lilly had and they were very very few there were some scenes where she doesn't really get to do anything like she gets to do all the shooty punchy mm-hmm. home saving people kind of thing but she kind of did that in the last one mm-hmm. um, so I think she got a bit of short shrift I was going to say it's always quite damning when a character is described as going oh hey you got a new haircut <laughs> it's not, it's not really a deepening of the character. That is the oh, extent of the character oh, yeah. development. Oh, you got a new haircut? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like, you know, she goes, Oh, Darren, you've changed because he's Modoc, which I think is one of the best things in the film. Oh, Me too. Um, but it also reinforced how much she's on the periphery of the film. Like, she gets to be, she's basically standing. She's almost out of focus. <laughs> yeah. She's behind the more interesting stuff. So I do feel very sorry for Evangeline Lilly and, and Hope in that way. She's never driving anything forward either, Mm-mm. with the no, exception of maybe when she helps Scott 
um, when they're really, really small, trying to get the reactor. She does, mm-hmm. yeah. She, yeah. That's like maybe the one bit, mm-hmm. I think, where she actually drives anything forward. She's just sort of looking mm-hmm. around and reacting. And so she, very, she drags uh, him out of the multi-scot. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? She's the heart. You know, he, mm. you know she, he, if she finds him, she he's, locates him. He's having this existential crisis yeah, and exactly. she just cuts through the bullshit. Find every man, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it does a, a wasp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a yeah. wasp scorn. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, even, though, even so, though, that doesn't really feel that earned. Like the moment at the end when she comes through, she gets her little action moment, which she does in other films that she's in, like Endgame and, and etc., but it doesn't really feel earned. But I would also say it's, nothing as good as the action scene in um, and the Wasp, where she's in the kitchen fighting with Sonny Birch's men. Sonny Birch, oh, oh, where was he? Uh, we'll talk about uh, absentees from this movie in a second, because <laughs> uh, there there are some and they're pretty pronounced. And it, I think, it, it, listen, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, but you know that scene with the um, the kitchen utensils and the giant salt cellar and all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, that, that, there's nothing as no. fun for her to do or the car chase through San Francisco. I realize I'm the only fan of Ant Man and the Wasp. In the no, story, no, but, I. I, I Quite like that film. There you go. Quite like. I'll quite take like it. it. You love but, that film. But that's a good point. That I I turned to my friend who was there with me and said it didn't feel like they used the size thing quite enough. Mm. Like it feels like they're using him big a lot, but not small. But not small. And the shifting of objects, like you mentioned, like even just seeing the police car at the beginning, like that's mm. that's fun. Like it would have been mm. cool to see that in action. That it doesn't really feel like they yeah. use that element of their power a lot and that's what I love about the first Ant-Man in particular and yeah I wonder if it's because there's so much CG in this and I think Uh, by and large you know I think the visuals in this film are, are terrific um you know, Bill Pope is the DP and he's a man who knows his way around movies like this you know he shot The Matrix he shot uh Raimi Spider Man movies uh so he knows his way around green screen uh and I think for the most part it looks really really great but there might have been, I don't know, there might have been problems because everything is everything is CG and everything is mm. small-ish anyway or feels small. It almost feels like they're shooting it in that sort of, you know, that they're using that filter that makes everything micro rather than macro. Mm. Maybe that means the contrast doesn't quite work. I don't really know. And because it's not grounded in earth on the street. Yeah, it, no it wouldn't. It wouldn't have felt, yeah. which, which did lose something in terms of the tone of the Ant-Man films for me that, we were taken out of that situation for for as long as we were. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with the the tone is completely different, uh, Dave. So, as we were leaving, we were discussing because I think this is I'm struggling, I'm racking my brains trying to think of a franchise in which the third film in has shifted gears as much as this has. I mean, you could easily say Ragnarok, but I still think that there's mm. you know there's a lot of DNA of the first two Thor movies in in Ragnarok, not least. Thor and, and Loki. Obviously, the characters cross and, over here, and you miss it, and you miss that, yeah. that humor. They they mm. they tried to tack it on a little bit. It felt tacked on, like mm. a completely tonally different film at the start and right at the end, as though the oh, this fella's quite cheeky and he's quite witty and he's quite irreverent, and let's just remember that because because <laughs> uh, it's not going to be like, that way. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that was and it made you, and uh, your point about the fact that even the little things that you come to expect, like the, the very imaginative uh, shrink downs and what are they going to do with the objects and how are these fight scenes going to be different? Mm. There wasn't a great deal of that either. No. It was almost like a distance from that styling, a deliberate choice to say, I'm not going to carry on in that way. But, you know, you, you wonder if, you know, that third film and you get into that point, it's like, oh, I want to do something different. Mm. I want to reinvent my character slightly and 
and and people are going, but that's why it works. Mm. And they're like, well, yeah, but I just want to try a little bit different. I want Scott to be taken seriously. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, yeah. oh, but, and then, you know, it didn't test well. So let's try a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. I do feel like I'm going to talk to Peyton Reed tomorrow and he may not, he may not tell me, but he might. But it felt to me like the, the entire end with Scott back in San Francisco felt like a reshoot felt it like it was a it was something that was added on very late in the day yeah, the girl's well, hair felt different even when it just all, the, yeah. all the hair was oh, different. I, I, guess, hair is different again. I guess or what you got a six months <laughs> on or something like that yeah that character development <laughs> in full effect yeah. we're deeply what are you talking about she's we're got two haircuts <laughs> <laughs> what more could, you, could a girl want from yes. a film <laughs> than she's, two haircuts and she now looks exactly like a, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant so <laughs> the wasp has become the wasp mm. yeah the wasp has eaten itself or stung itself. I'm not sure. <laughs> the Stepford wasps. That's, that's the next thing. Uh, it, it felt to me a little bit like the movie was meant to end and with them, I don't know, trapped in the quantum realm. But Yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah. Scott's going to be trapped here. Like he's mm. going to have sacrificed himself and shut the portal thing and he's going to be trapped. Yeah. Or they're going to be trapped. And then it, which is intriguing. Th- mm-hmm. Which would have felt like it had a bit more weight to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because then all it, Actually, Cassie's just pressed a bloop, 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 and it's... Saved them <laughs> in seconds. And yeah. they can get back. So that seems quite easy. Like, it, 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 uh, it took away a few of the stakes from earlier on mm, in, in how easy it was. It diminishes his sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, he sacrificed himself. Of course, he's not really because then... But, you know, his knowledge of the quantum realm is different from when he was stranded in it the first time or the second time. (laughs) (laughs) But it would have been an interesting end and it just felt to me like a little bit like they went saying like a lot Um, in a different universe I'm not. (laughs) But it felt to me like they perhaps wanted to leave it on an up a little bit. Mm. Uh, Also, his voiceover at the end makes not a lot of sense because they justify the voiceover in the first part of the film by having him read the book. And I'm thinking, is this an updated version? <laughs> is this the audio uh, yeah, version? That's a good the updated point. version? I'm, again, I didn't really catch on that. that. Yeah. Because that's something Marvel hasn't done, the MCU. I mean, they haven't no. really taken you know, any time there's been voiceover in an MCU film, they've they've explained it away. So, you know, Tony Stark in, in Iron Man Three, yeah. they explained mm-hmm. it away by having him recount the film to Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. So is that a stylistic thing? Does that mean that they were just going, Oh, fuck it? I did kind of like the way he was like I did. He is gone, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> just that bit where it. I actually quite liked that. Just as a, just as a, a sort of but, a stylistic but, yeah. thing, it was fun to me. Yeah. We all laughed. It was the biggest laugh in the yeah. room. Mm. And I think uh, where, where was that? There wasn't a lot of laughter, and there was an, a, a distinct lack of applause at the end. And I felt yeah, I'm honoured mon- at that. Yeah, oh, I yeah. absolutely felt that. There was silence. There wasn't just wasn't just the fact there was no applause. There was silence for a good five seconds when the credits started. It's, I don't think I can ever they remember. Stunned. They were going, too stunned. I, I, <laughs> too stunned to I don't think that's what it was. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've. I can't remember a time that I've gone to a Marvel big multimedia screening like that, mm. and that's been the reaction when the credits hit. I can't remember. But maybe that's yeah. the apathy of these films now. I mean, if you if you've watched all the TV series, you've mm. watched all these movies, and and we you know. I said to you earlier, you got to Endgame, and it was such a beautiful mm. climax, yeah. and then it's like, oh, let's come back now for some other stories mm. after that fantastic finish and and you want to you're, you're optimistic and you watch them but I, you, I, I haven't been greatly optimistic about Marvel content for quite a while actually there's been real highlights like Loki TV series and mm-hmm. I think that was can we 
spoil. Yeah, it's a spoiler. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, it's a spoiler special. So, yeah. obviously, spoiler. I mean, and that little scene at the end, that got a massive reaction. So, I think yeah. there are mm. highs there that mm -hmm. people really react to. But I think also, though, there are a lot of kind of moments. And I think we all, the movie finished and we all went, let's just wait for these other scenes that are going to come. And I think, yeah. oh, that was a bit anticlimactic, a bit it, apathetic. Yeah. yeah. I think I've figured out, like, because I've been quite sort of middling on most of the MCU recently, especially the movies, mm -hmm. since Eternals, aka the last good Marvel movie. Thank you very much. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. How long do we have? I'm actually, I don't even know why I said that, because I liked Black Panther, so that's a total lie. I don't know why Thank I said that. Thank you, Sophie. Um, You've just but, been a contrarian. Yeah. But <laughs> you smell that? I haven't been the biggest fan of... Um, some of the films but I think I keep coming back and I keep I will watch everything because I'm just waiting to feel that high again and I don't know when it's mm. going to come and I don't know if it could be in Guardians. this film or it could be the next mm. one Guardians. and so I keep coming back because I just want to feel it again and I didn't get that with this I think mm. the closest I got was the Kang stuff because mm. I know how yeah. that's going to tie in and yeah. Jonathan Majors is so good so fucking good I don't know if it's going to be Guardians I'll tell you why. It's, it's not because the film doesn't look great. They they played the, the latest trailer on the big screen before the screening today, which didn't look great. But it's in a similar way to Wakanda Forever, as excited as I was to watch that film, a lot of what you're taking in going into that film is a sense of mourning, collective yeah. mourning. And mm. because James Gunn has primed yeah. us already to say, like, there's some people who are not going to make it out, and because the trailers are very much teeing that up, you're going to be primed and be ready to, you know, come out of it mourning characters to a degree. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that at all. But that means, game, right? That's what I mean. I want, I think Sophie's talking not just about the euphoric uh, reaction mm. yeah. that you can get from these movies, okay. but the emotional reaction yeah, from these wanna, movies. Uh -huh. I just wanna that's what I want. Something. I want to okay. feel something, God damn it. <laughs> I, I agree. I think you're right with uh, Guardians. I think that's going to, close that trilogy. I mm -hmm. think it's going to be very much standalone. You're going to mm. enjoy it for those characters, but will it have a great impact on this other arc that's happening? I'm not sure. I, I don't think, think so. Right. But yeah. I don't think so. I think that the, the part where you get disappointed is where it starts to fall into those tropes that you expect. Because, I mean, I, I actually quite enjoyed this film. I'm going to be positive about it because mm. I've, I've, like yourself, yeah. Sophie, I've, I've had quite middling experiences and it felt like it's, it's a law of diminishing returns. You know, mm -hmm. you go in really yeah. committed and there's some real highs and then you know, fifth episode in of a, one of the TV series, you're like, oh, okay, am I going to see this out now? How, yeah. many, how many more are left? Mm. Okay. And, but I genuinely enjoyed this. And I think Marvel are really strong when they create a world afresh. And I like, I like the first uh, Thor movie. I love mm -hmm. the Guardians movie because it took you somewhere else. You, you mm -hmm. forget that they're comic books. Mm. And I think that that's the one thing that they can do that movies, mm. you know, other movies that maybe can't, like Gerard Butler's plane. It's in a plane. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's going to be a plane. <laughs> This yeah. could have been just called Realm. In the <laughs> yes. but they, they create this world. I, I, was in, I was interested to see it. I like I like the little details. I like the little bits and bobs of the the world that they. You know, I quite enjoyed the CG. I think they melded it quite well with the live action. Mm. But then at the end, what does it become? It becomes a massive kind of free for all fight where they mm. get a rallying call, mm. and yeah, mm. they all turn up. And hey, those ants that fell through that you kind of knew were going to return and come back and. And then he's big. And. Finally, he's big. And then they're all fighting mm. and mm. Oh, they're overwhelming him. And suddenly Kang yeah. is not beating the shit out of everybody like he was yeah, before. Yeah, suddenly Kang's powers yeah, seem to have diminished. Even His suit though... was the power? What well, was going on there? Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, that's, that's always the case with Kang. Like he, his technology and his suit, that is where his power comes from. Right. And when he, is, when he is fully suited up and armored up, this guy is a bad man. And I freaking love that like 
and it had to be because the film spends the first 20 or 30 minutes or so. You don't see Kang. You mm. barely even hear his name. But the way the guy is talked about is like, yeah. this guy, whoever he is, I don't know, this guy's going to be a tough... And when he then shows up, he delivers on that promise a thousandfold. But and a, that is cool. I'm a bit worried about Kang. And I'll tell you why. Because okay. I, I've been enjoying his introduction. I enjoyed it. I loved it in Loki. I thought mm-hmm. it was a fantastic yep. introduction. And I think, I think Jonathan Major's take on it in this film was fantastic. Yeah. And then the three at the end. Yeah, the three at the end. And he's like, obviously now he's going, because it's the, the three guys that turn up and it's obviously three different iterations of Kang. The Council of Kang. Is that what they are? The Council yes. of Kang. And then I'm thinking, okay. The and then there's more Kang. So they're all going, <laughs> yeah! yeah! And backslapping. And I'm yeah. thinking, all that subtlety, man, that you've put into yes. this. No, well, is this where uh, this is going my, now? My concern is that they've killed the best one yeah. already. Yeah. Uh, but... I'm sure they haven't. It's like those movies that, uh, you know, like Eddie Murphy made where he's playing the same characters and it's like, oh, you got to make them slightly different and do you try too hard? And will that ruin it? Will it dilute? Avengers, the clumps is going to be the Kangs. Yeah, can you imagine? Jesus Christ. Home with the Kangs. (laughs) Farting at the dinner table. (laughs) You put that in another dimension. (laughs) Dear Lord Almighty. Um, Okay, well, let's let's talk about Kang in a second because, uh, you know, it's a really interesting build-up to the character and for you guys, does it deliver? We'll get to that in a second. But I I want to touch back to the the tone of this film. Mm. And... I was saying to Dave, you know, I'm racking my brains trying to think of another series where it's the, the the third in the in the uh, franchise is so markedly different from what's gone before. The only one I can really think of at this moment in time is Please Academy Three, back in training. No, it's uh, <laughs> Halloween Three, Season of the Witch, which is a completely different film from the ones that went before and the ones that came after it because it flopped at the time and they didn't want to do that again. But they should have done because it was fucking great. <laughs> this is just a huge wild swing and I, that's one of the things I really really like about it I don't know I, th- I think it's probably you know probably my second favourite Ant-Man movie I really like the first Ant-Man movie but mm. you know it's it it is a huge creative swing there is some stuff in this movie some bold ideas from the writer Jeff Loveness and obviously Peyton Reed the director that I think you know, I haven't seen in hard sci-fi films before. Things like that probability storm. I love the mm-hmm. idea of buildings that were alive. I love that that throwaway line from, I think it's Bev or Pev. I can't remember the name of the character voiced by David Dasmalchian. Little blobby guy. The little blobby guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Scott says... <laughs> MVP. That, is that building alive? <laughs> are, are those buildings alive? And he goes... and. Well, are yours dead? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah. shit. That's a, that's a great idea. That's a great concept. And there's some wonderful, wonderful visuals in here that I do yeah. think would get more credit if they weren't in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. But that's a discussion mm. for another time. But I loved that wild swing of the tone. I'm, I'm with Dave in that I think that it becomes a little bit formulaic. Like you have these wild concepts, you have these incredible visuals yeah. in service of that fairly pedestrian story. Yeah. And that's a yeah. bit of a shame. And it's, there's some, a lot of the plot relies on the fact that this is a massively dysfunctional family that don't talk to each other. So she comes out of the quantum realm, doesn't happen to mention Kang at mm. all. <laughs> and then the three of them don't tell her they're building a little machine yeah. that communicates with the quantum realm. And it's only when she goes, don't do that. That's going to be a massive problem. They turn it on for, what, five seconds? Mm. And all, all, all shit kicks loose. And I find yeah. that, that quite lazy. I do find that lazy. It's like, you guys don't talk to each other, yet you will, you know, literally desert yourself in a, the, the quantum realm for the sake of your, you know, the, your daughter, mm. but you don't even talk to 
for each other. And I, th- I, I found that that was up and down as well, that relationship yeah, between point. the five of them. You know, it's like, are we talking? Are we not? Are we together? Are we not? And it's like, well, when it suits the plot, maybe we are, maybe we're not. It's one mm. of those movies where, you know, again, you have lots of scenes where, you know, Hank and uh, Hope are walking around going, tell us what's going on, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. And she's like, I won't tell you yet. That got very old. I have to say. Not until the second act, guys. It's far too early. Yeah. The inciting incident has barely just happened, folks. Yeah. So, yeah. Got to hold off a little bit. Uh, but I really like that tone. Uh, I'm on, Sophie, what about you guys? I mean, you appreciate that, you know, the parking of all the the comedic touches that make the first two Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp films so fun, you know, whether it's, you know, weird, wacky car chases or shrinking stuff or great humour and or Michael Peña as Luis, who isn't yeah, in this film. I miss Luis. I really did too. I agree kind of what you said there, Chris, about it's sort of, it's sort of a wilder swing and yet gen, gen, generic simultaneously. It's, it's mm-hmm. more interesting and more generic at the same time. Um, I liked it when it really leaned into the humour, like when we were first in the quantum realm and when Cassie and Scott are sort of taken by the people and there's like a really weird cut. It's like there's you're with Scott and Cassie for a short time where Scott's fighting and then it cuts to Cassie and she's like, drink the ooze and then it cuts back to Janet. Yes. And their gang and they do something and then it cuts back to Scott and Cassie mm. at the same point and that mm. felt like a really weird mm-hmm. um, cut to me in the story and when they were sort of fighting with them and I thought if this I'm not sure I'm not sure how long I could take being in this world I'm not sure I can be in this world for two hours but then once he drank the thing and Quaz came out William Jackson Harper love him so much mm-hmm. and the good place and yeah the good place love life season two excellent mm-hmm. in that <laughs> and um, once it got funny with him being the telepath and the blobby mm-hmm. guy and the Jokes, and you've got to see Paul Rudd be Paul Rudd. That great joke about seven holes. <laughs> yeah, and you watch <laughs> all in the timing. All in the yeah. You watch him count, but I felt like also everyone in the audience was Absolutely. also counting. <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> Tell the truth, I'm still counting. Yeah. <laughs> you can count later if you like. <laughs> There's the mouth hole. There's okay, the two I'm not nose sure holes. Sophie, we're doing it. We're okay. doing it. Oh, There's the two nose holes. Mm-hmm. I feel as a teacher, I need to step in. <laughs> we're going to call those nostrils if there's any children listen why are you fucking listening to this? <laughs> actually there probably aren't children listening my apologies for the last 10 years um, okay I've, I've got three holes I'm up to three and there's the bum hole ear holes ear holes are they holes they go into would you count them as holes yes I, I could put this pen inside and we can find out how far it goes can we stop you count holes? your eye holes because no. there's stuff in your eye no. holes but there's stuff in your ear holes two ear holes two nostrils a mouth an anus and and an o- and anus. And for you and me, mm-hmm. Mon, a little hole at the end of. Oh, David. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, David. All right. You've, you've lowered the tone. You've lowered the tone. <laughs> I think I we have. We didn't need an also educated at the same time. <laughs> stop, stop, <laughs> stop thinking about that. Just that. It's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good. All right. Seven holes. You're right. You're right. Um, Kang was good, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Kang was. When it leaned into that comedic tone, I'm just going to talk as if we didn't do that detail. Um, <laughs> That's when I liked the film the most. That's what I wanted to say yeah. when it was funniest, when it was lightest, when it was weirdest. And I kind of wish there was more of it. Yeah. yeah. I guess if you set up the big bad guy, though, you can't be too... I know. So, yeah, I've got two contrasting statements there because I love Kang and I love the humour. I'm not sure yeah. how those two meet, but... Frankly, I was disappointed with Murray. I yeah. I think if he needs to look at 
a cameo-ish role. He needs to take a leaf out of Jeff Goldblum's uh, book from Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I think that that was great. I think yeah. that really worked. And and Murray was like, you know, he comes down these steps and it's almost like, here's Bill Murray. Mm. You've been waiting for this. It's going to be side-splitting. And uh, it was, <laughs> it's not. Really. And he oh, looks no. really old as well, like with yeah. that white hair. I was like, oh my God, is is he okay? <laughs> I began to, to David, be a little he is bit old. More. He is old. Mm. How old is he? Break, we're, we're all getting older. He's in his 70s now, isn't he? Mm, must be. I mean, how old is Michelle Pfeiffer? She looks amazing. Oh, she does. Oh. She looks and She should be in more films. What a face. She, she should, should be in more films. She's she such really a good should. actress. And yeah. I think, so where have you been? Could just watch her all day long, yeah. that face. Amazing. The, the Bill Murray is 72 years old. He looks older. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say, Michelle Pfeiffer, she was in the last Maleficent film. And I really, really enjoyed her in that. Um, I haven't done that before. Was she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Michelle Pfeiffer is how how old do you think Michelle Pfeiffer is? Sixty three. Sixty five. Women's age is none of my business. That's a that trained response. Answer. That is the best answer. Who is closest? Uh, you were both right. She's 64. Oh, oh. split the difference. That'd she's be extra nearly hole. 65. <laughs> 65. Nearly Technically, 65. she's closer to my answer. She's closer to Sophie's answer. So there we go. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Um, I, I liked Kang. some of the humor. I, I, oh, I, I, I still talk about this. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will segue into Kang. Okay. Now, I, I, I like. Tell so- us when you're doing it. Thank you. Um, I liked some of the. <laughs> I hate you so much. I liked some of the humor. I wasn't sort of full on belly laughing at much. It was more like, oh, that's funny, kind of chuckle type thing. Um, so, but 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 yeah, I liked some of the humor. I appreciated that when it did shift into darker territory, it really earned that in a really big way. Like that scene where Kang is threatening Scott by threatening Cassie. That's the is, best scene, I think. It's so good. Of the it's whole a, film. Yeah. And again, I just love how formidable Kang comes across. Um, Jonathan Majors is fantastic. He eventually does build up to uh, some more shouty dialogue mm. deliveries, but when he's soft-spoken mm. is when he's the most intimidating. And there's a lot of soft-spoken dialogue in that scene in particular, but, where it's, it's, it's and just... And like tiny movements, and he's, yes. he's so poised when he but puts his hands in But this is not the Kang that is going to be Kang Dynasty. This yeah, is not the one we're going to be facing off against. You don't, he, you don't... Well, obviously not this particular one, but you don't necessarily know that the other Kangs don't have these similar characteristics. Mm. And I think they will share some of that and it's not going to be exactly the same but some of that formidable nature that we've just seen is going to show up in these other Kangs of that I am absolutely sure yeah I hope so because like we were saying before this Kang was so good that I was sad that he was gone and I don't really want like goofy Kang like (laughs) I felt like we were going to start to get at the end Mm. with like where where they're all in the like um Sort of ordered, arena. Yeah, arena. Yeah. And like whooping in that, and it was like, that doesn't. Attack of the Kangs. That doesn't seem mm. like a Kang vibe. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. Big Attack of the Clones vibes from that. So mm-hmm. I instantly gave it five stars. Then passed out. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? On what your you gravestone. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it I like the man who gave Attack of the Clones five Shut up, shut stars. up, David. No one knows. No one knows. I managed to, <laughs> managed to have an erase. You're the one that keeps bringing it up all the time. <laughs> am I? <laughs> or am I a Kang clone who's <laughs> bringing it up? I just. Love how so for a lot of the runtime he just the ant people are a little more than a nuisance. There's one bit where Ant Man and the Wasp are flying to, he just 
touches them away and it's just it's brilliant I'm yeah, looking at that. a big can and of then, raid and you'd kill them so <laughs> I don't know about that I know I know but like there's, 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 I mean you, you were sat next to me I was getting the kick out of some of you the... were, you were you were going full Kang you were uh, rooting for the bad guy I'm on quite frankly I, which I, is I did tell... into James Dyer territory <laughs> I did tell people that I was going to do that but literally going into this film my hype level for Kang was extremely high and my height level for everything else was very, uh, okay, I guess there's some and people too. Um, I think I'm thinking too much about this though because I'm, <laughs> get, I'm beginning to go now in, in my own little loop of thought. <laughs> and it's like, so they banished this Kang. That's who they, they didn't want him. He was the exiled Kang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he, I've killed loads of Avengers. Not these, mm-hmm. This one kills him. And then mm-hmm. they go, oh shit, they've killed him. Let's kill them now. And I'm like, well, they've just done you a favor. Throw them a party, maybe. I don't think they're killing him. But I don't think they want to target... Who are they Earth targeting? Or the Avengers because they killed Kang. I think they're beginning to target them because they're beginning to touch the multiverse. That's what they yeah. say. Yeah, because they're, going, they're yeah. affecting to touch their the plan. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it's Doctor Strange and you know Spider-Man No Way Home and, and Multiverse Loki. of Madness is beginning to okay. Loki is beginning to understand what the multiverse is. There are people who aren't Kangs who now have knowledge that there is something out there yeah. called the multiverse, mm-hmm. and it's and there are things called incursions, which is clearly setting up. Yeah. The next two Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that stuff is exciting to me. I do hope they haven't killed the best Kang. That is that is my mm, big yeah. worry. Mm. I think the I think the film did a really interesting job because if you if you build your bad guy up in the way that they built their bad guy up, you mm-hmm. have to deliver a mm. bad guy worthy of that introduction. Because you have basically an hour. I haven't timed it because you're not allowed to bring watches into these things. Mm-hmm. And for some reason they don't let let us record it. Um <laughs> but it's about an hour, I'd say, before we mm. properly see Jonathan Majors as Kang. We have those flashbacks mm-hmm. with Janet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But basically you have an hour of people going, oh my God, look out for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the they shudder. And then the camera, mm. you know, camera zooms in on them, you know, mm-hmm. very, pushes in on their face and the music gets a bit more ominous. Mm-hmm. And then there's another person goes, Jesus Christ, he's going to shit you up when you see him. And then mm-hmm. did he? Mm-hmm. Did he deliver? David, did he deliver for you when he arrived? Yeah, absolutely. I think he did deliver. And I think because he he underdelivered in a way. And I thought it's a massively interesting take as an actor because I've got quite a lot of time for Jonathan Majors. And, you know, I've, I'm quite excited by Creed 3 and seeing him all bulked up in that trailer. Mm-hmm. But he, like looking he, in the mirror. He, yeah, he comes in. <laughs> <laughs> if it's one of those funfair mirrors. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he, he he underplays it, and I agree with them, that scene where he's torturing Cassie, and it's he's he he get he gets it. I've got ultimate power. I don't need to do grand mm. gestures, and I mm. just do little stretches of my fingers. And I yeah. and I thought that that's it's brave, it's interesting, it's different, and it reminded me a touch of um, how they did with Thanos and how he was mm. always mm-hmm. quite controlled until he wasn't, and mm-hmm. he beat yeah. the shit out of the Hulk, and everyone went, oh, oh okay, yeah. the Hulk can't take it. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck yeah. are they gonna do yeah. now? The Hulk is done. They're gonna yeah. wait for Thor to bring his hammer. No, <laughs> I'm not, not going to. But th- there's one thing that Kang didn't do that did tick me off a little bit because I just kept noticing it. It was very much because it's a movie territory. He has Janet dead to rights for multiple points in this movie for a last stretch of this runtime. There is no good reason if you're Kang to keep this woman alive. And he doesn't wow. make a move to kill her at any point. And this obviously, is... I, I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I love, we, we've established this. But I'm just saying, at no point does he say, okay, I have what I need now. Why do I need you? Yeah. At yeah. no point. 
and that felt weird to me. That this felt beyond, because it's a movie. This is where beyond gonna James Dyer territory now. <laughs> You're actively you kill Michelle the bad guy to knock off heroes. I'm just saying you gotta give it, it a good reason for him not even considering that. So considering how badass he's made him for the rest of the yeah. runtime. He's badass so until... He can pontificate the... a bit at her. You know? Yeah. Mm. He needs someone to chat about. <laughs> yeah, he... So he has evil monologue too. He could monologue to the giant floating head. Yeah. But yeah. Who's going to listen, really? But <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fair point. Also, if we're going to tiptoe into other uh, colleagues of such Letha Cunning's territory, uh, we should probably acknowledge that uh, we, I haven't spoken to Helen about this movie, mm. but I imagine she has possibly an issue with him being a little bit like Thanos in that the film seems to be setting him up to be in the right that he may not be doing this for mm. altruistic purposes but he they actually may have fucked up by killing this Kang because this Kang might have got out and killed all the other Kangs it's like a lesser of two evils thing yeah kind and of now because he, he says it in that scene doesn't he with Scott and Cassie he says you know if you want to stop what's coming and believe me, you do, mm-hmm. then you need to let me out. What's coming, me, lots of me. Mm. Um, and again, the film doesn't really go into his knowledge of time that much. Mm. So how does he know? Has he? He's obviously lived all these lives and he's lived for millennia. Yeah, that'll be Loki season two, though. Presumably, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think that's what they're going to flesh out. I think that my, my concern, though, is that with all these multi-kangs, it's going to be a bit like all the other Avengers films because, you know, you remember Ultron, but they fought all these... Little mm. robot minions, mm-hmm. and it, it got a bit tiresome. And you remember Loki, but they fought all the other aliens that came down. The Jitari, the Jitari. Thank you very much. I can't remember their name. And, that's the <laughs> no. and then are, are they going to who are they? So, so the Kang Dynasty are they going to all just face off multiple Kangs who are then going to get killed or wiped out and refought and refought? I don't know. I wonder, Is it going to lose its way? I wonder if it's going to be a timeline diddle. <clears throat> I wonder if they might go into. You know, and this is complete another guess, but I wonder if they might go into alternate timeline type situations where he has one of them wins. Mm. I think one of them might win at some point mm. over the next few movies. I think one of them might win, and by that I mean uh, in an Age of Apocalypse style, rewrite the timeline so that maybe there's this has happened before in the comic books, Age of Apocalypse, and there's a there's a couple of other famous arcs in the comic books where the timeline has been rewritten entirely. And what happens is maybe one or two people have a kind of nagging feeling that something is off. Oh, okay. Something is wrong. Isn't that a replay though? Thanos, he, no, he, he did. Really. He got he got he, he, he so. won and then they went back in time and sorted mm. him out. I don't think Kang Dynasty is going to finish with him winning. I think Kang Dynasty will finish will begin with him winning. Um and I think he will you know there will be a timeline that's rewritten somehow and there'll be there'll be characters who are a little bit like they're just going about their lives. So Peter Parker is just a normal kid going about his life, but maybe he has a how long can this film a be? Suspicion I mean, that something the, is off. Mm. Three, uh, three hours. If it's less than three hours, I'll be disappointed. I mean, they've got right. enough <laughs> superheroes now mm-hmm. to give them each a Kang. They do. They you, you know, can, you, you can get a Kang. You get a Kang. Iron Kang. They've all. They could all have one. I mean, there's so many now. There must yeah. be. Well, if you if we try to list them, we'd be into like it's 30, a 40. Plus? It's a potential worry, but you know, yeah. this is why we just talk about the shit. Don't get paid to write it. And my, 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 <laughs> there's people in the room go, "What yeah. the fuck are we going to do with all these?" I, I hope that they have the uh, you know because we we talked about this in the past. We've talked about the idea that you know, Secret Wars is going to be uh, almost a straight up adaptation. Well, not straight up, but it's going to be certainly in, you know inspired by the most recent Secret Wars, where two universes smashed together. It was a big incursion, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think that's going to happen. 
and we've mm-hmm. talked about this. I think Doom's mm-hmm. going to be the big bad guy of that franchise of that film, not Kang. Ultimately, mm. it's very very interesting. But you know, I think they have a roadmap. I think they know where they're going. Ultimately, mm. like you know, they probably sat down three four years before Endgame and went right. This is how it's going to end. Tony Stark is going to die. Mm. Captain America is going to go back in time. They you know they had those that those kind of north stars to head towards. Mm. I think they'll have something like this. I think one of the one of the problems that people have had with Phase Four. And now Phase 5, although I have to say that this is my favourite film of Phase 5 so far, guys, <laughs> uh, uh, it has been that it's all felt a little muddy, that there, yeah. they, they haven't felt that there's, there's an end game, for want of a better word, mm. that they're heading towards. But I think they are heading towards it. We just can't see it yet. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Listen, it's up to Michael Waldron, who's writing Kang Dynasty, and it's up to, oh, sorry, Jeff Loveness is writing Kang Dynasty. So Jeff Loveness who wrote this movie and knows his way around a Kang monologue mm. is writing the Kang Dynasty and Michael Waldron who wrote Multiverse of Madness and, uh, <laughs> and Loki season one uh, most of season one um, is is writing Secret you think, Wars you think they're in a probability chamber right now <laughs> churning out versions Fighting of the movies which one's also over two billion we gotta get that Cameron in his box million. again <laughs> they're on that they're on that new AI writing program <laughs> just, going, just feeding superheroes into it and seeing what comes out <laughs> it's come out and said uh, Thor's a little old now should we kill him hey hey oh, oh. hey ageist ageist uh, one thing one thing I loved about this movie we'll wrap up in a second is you know Michelle Pfeiffer and the fact that you know this is a woman in her in her sixties who gets yeah. to be magnificent, and gets to be the hero, and that's you know, and that's 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 tremendous. Uh, but the Kang thing, I do wonder if ultimately he would have saved the day in a way that if he'd got out, he would have killed them all, and everything would have been fine. That's that's I think where they're going to go with this ultimately. But hey, mm. we'll see. What maybe resurrect this Kang to fight the other Kang? Possibly, but I think they'll find a way. I think they'll find a way. And as I've said before. This is a you better believe it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And Secret Wars, we're going to have, obviously, a few X-Men. We'll have the Fantastic Four. We're going to have all kinds of different characters running around. But the biggest cheer by far is when Tony Stark (laughs) emerges somehow from a different... Robert Downey Jr. That Robert Downey Downey Jr. Jr. (laughs) returns as Tony Stark. Uh, And that's when I will pass out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He will simply pass away. (laughs) And then he's dead again. It's like, I'm back! Instantly killed! (laughs) (laughs) Like X-Force sequence of Deadpool 2. That would be be amazing. (laughs) Isn't it fun speculating about movies that aren't this one? Um, Right, so anything else you want to say about this? Real quick. I'd like to shout out Catherine Newton because I thought she was really, really charming. She got more to do than um, Evangeline Lilly did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked the father and the daughter of it all and that throughout, Scott's only goal really is to save her. I agree with Dave's point about the family dynamic and that being consistent, but I liked that that was their through line basically throughout um, and her getting to grips with the powers and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I just I thought she was a really great addition. I agree. I agree. Um, I think she she worked for me in a way that you know we talked about this in the past. I don't think Riri Williams entirely worked in in Wakanda Forever, and I don't think America Chavez worked pretty yeah, much at all point. in Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness. But I think Catherine Newton popped mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that makes yeah. me really want to see her again. Yeah. Um, and she's got that sort of there's obviously that freak that the the freaky darkness to her that actually I think plays nicely into the character. So she's not all just you know your you know, sweetness and light teenager. There's a little bit of a, of a not a, a, a cheekiness to her, which I think mm. works quite well. Modok, quickly talk about Modok. <laughs> oh God, Modok is surprisingly. I'll be seeing him in my nightmares. 
<laughs> Surprisingly worked for the most part. The last thing I wanted to say was about Christoph Betts' score, which is really good, but as is the problem with, I think, all three films in this franchise, it's not mixed very well. And I say this, you know, I just rewatched uh, a scene from Batman 89 with Danny Elfman's score, which is phenomenal. One of the greatest superhero scores of all time. I'll probably put it number two next to John Williams' Superman. Of it's, all it, time. It's, it's, it's that good. One of the reasons why that's the case is because of how it's mixed and because of the role mm-hmm. it plays in telling the story. There's that amazing scene where Batman is driving Vicky Vale back to the Batcave. The music is what is driving that scene in addition to mm-hmm. Batman driving the Batmobile um, because it's given that space in the mix to really be there. Here, the music is good and I feel it wanting to play a bigger role in the story, but it's drowned by special effects mm-hmm. and dialogue. I don't know if Christoph Beck is there. Exactly, and that's why. I couldn't tell and you that how is it why. And this is I, I was telling Chris... Um, that Christoph Beck is one of the most underrated composers working today, and I truly believe that to be what the case. What else has he done? He's done One Division. Yeah. Oh, I'm spacing right now, but he's done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of stuff. I think, I think he did Hawkeye as well. Yeah. I think he did Hawkeye. I need to double check that, but I think so. Did he? I think so. I need to double check that. But I think he, he's, actually, yeah, I think he did. He's, he's a really, really good composer, but I remember watching the first Ant-Man and mm. thinking similarly about the score, and then I listened to the score on its own, and I'm like, oh, wow, this score is really good, and the theme... It's fantastic. And I feel like I'm going to have a much better time listening to the score on its own than I did watching this mm-hmm. film and trying to really feel and experience it, which is a shame because, again, he's done really good work. But I remember all those, you know, you're absolutely right about the scores. They used to be like the motifs for the characters. Exactly. So like mm-hmm. Batman, that was the motif. You know, that, mm. that, you know, that it would be there in subtle ways and subtle variations. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you reference things like Star Wars, the Vader motif. And, yeah. and so it just, it grounds you, it identifies you, it kind of, it yeah. centers the audience member. And actually, you're absolutely right. There's no centering of music. Music no. is there just to fill I, out. I, mean, I, I really miss the days. I know that we got yeah. the, the Marvel fanfare and it's great, but I really miss the days. I think about the original Batman 89, I think about Spider-Man Sam Raimi. Yeah. The first four minutes of those films are just credits and music. Yeah. And it's great. And honestly, I wish that they brought, bring, bring that back a couple of times because that I, immediately establishes that relationship between the audience and the music. It, it gives them time to do that. Mm. Here, not so much. I agree entirely. I still think you're uh, bringing up the Spider-Man, the Danny Elfman Spider-Man. It's theme. a great a theme. theme. I could not hum <laughs> if you no, sang it at me for thirty oh seconds straight. For thirty minutes straight, I, I still, I honestly, and I love Danny Elfman. I love those movies, but I mm. could not tell you what that theme is. It's certainly not in the pantheon for me. But that's that's okay. Uh, mm. But I agree. I think this is a problem Marvel have had right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a case that the themes haven't been there. Or the music hasn't been there. The themes are great. Not been mixed very well. Um, mm-hmm. I think also sometimes they sometimes the music the scores haven't been great. Uh, and it's only in recent years that you know they've. I think they've really started putting more of an emphasis on having great standalone scores and standalone themes for their for their characters for the mm-hmm. heroes. Mm-hmm. But you're right about the mixing thing. You mm-hmm. know, one of the reasons why Portals works so well in Endgame is because it is mixed beautifully and the music is right there front and center. Yeah. The Avengers theme is right there front and center. Yep. And perhaps that's an issue here. Anyway, gotta wrap it up. Anyone else want to talk about Modok? No, I would mention, I, Never I would mention again, Paul please. Rudd. I think Paul Rudd is the best deliverer of comedic. I love Paul Rudd so much. His, his timing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He does that kind of put upon superhero that he's you know he's got a great suit, 
but he's not mm. particularly good at much else. <laughs> you know, he can fight a little bit, he can throw a punch, and he can take a punch, certainly. Mm. And I think he plays that character absolutely brilliantly. And I think he's the probably the funniest thing about Marvel, I would say. And I will add, um, where was Michael uh, Pena? Michael Pena, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. was he? Because he was by far a massive highlight. <laughs> I will be I will be grabbing Peyton Reed yeah. by the lapels, the, the <laughs> shaking him down for information on this tomorrow. Because when I interviewed him for the cover feature about a month and a half ago or so, I can't remember exactly when, uh, you know, I said, is Louise in this film? Because he's not in the trailer. And he went, oh, you'll have to wait and see. And no. I, I was I <laughs> guessing even back then, no. But it's interesting to me that Jimmy Woo, the agent mm. from the, mm. the, the first Ant, the first Ant-Man, the Wasp movie, but the second Ant-Man movie, and also obviously WandaVision, mm-hmm. he gets a one-shot cameo, Randall Park. Mm. Yeah. But there's no Michael Pena and there's no David Dasmalchian apart from voicing a character, which yeah. is interesting because yeah. I love him as Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That delivery that Michael Pena has, I think, in the mm. second movie. But I got the band. It's the first movie. Um, backing up, backing up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love the end of the first movie, first Ant-Man where he goes, and he said yes. And yeah. then just blinks until they, they come to credits. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, no Sonny Birch, no Judy Greer, no um, mm. no Bobby oh, yeah. Cannavale, yeah. no Wood Harris. But it's interesting because I, I, I always rail against the gangs all here culture in sequels and so mm. it's interesting that when a film like this doesn't do that, we're all sitting here going, I wanted to see the gang. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like the gang. Like it, yeah. well, they brought the tone, they brought that fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where they went, well, if we're going to go this way, they can't all get shrunk down and go with them. No, they mm-hmm. can't all be in that room. And then if they did, <laughs> they'd be really funny all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, yeah. true. And they're no use in a fight nah. situation, <laughs> really. But even so, you'd think that they could have had him come in for a 30 second cameo at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, being in those bookends. Yeah. I didn't expect the character from Scott Lang's past to get most screen time to be the manager of the basket oh, robbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, Greg Turkington, played yeah. by uh, Greg Turkington. Uh, anyway. I would second about Paul Rudd because I think when this film starts to lull, he's what gets you yeah. through mm. um he gets a comedic line, he delivers it perfectly and he's just he's just so charming that mm. I'll always enjoy the Ant-Man films, all three of them, because of him, I think. The MCU's he's, every man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's as, great. Let's hear it for the little guy. And yeah. <laughs> Buy the book, book, guys. <laughs> Pre-order the book, guys. It's, it's out in September. It's out in September. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that will be the actual ending, like on the last page. It must be the voiceover from the beginning. Or, or maybe at the end. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll figure that out. They'll, yeah. they'll put the bit of my Kang in it. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe the forward will be my, by uh, Modoc. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, we'll talk about him on our next supporter special when we'll be getting a little bit more in depth into Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. The Wasp in very, very small letters, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Subatomic. <laughs> you can only read him in the quantum realm. The Wasp is in this movie um, from time to time. Uh, anyway. On that note, that is it for this impromptu post-film spoiler special <laughs> podcast type thing. I'm, I'll work in the name. I'll yeah. work in the name. Uh, all that remains is for me to say goodbye to my three colleagues, well, two colleagues, and and one best friend of such <laughs> lethal kind. I'm on, Warman. Goodbye to you, sir. Peace. Peace be unto you. It's goodbye from Sophie Butcher. Bye for now. It's goodbye from David Howes. David. 
Enjoyed it. I'm free next half term. It's about six weeks. <laughs> what show? Uh, what's that? Where's the, that'll be the that, next. Is that April? That'll be yeah. the next film. That'll be April. next Guardians, Easy won't it? Guardians, yeah. come, come down for Guardians. Brilliant. Three. I'll come down for Guardians. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can help. You can help talk me off the ledge after that one because I'll be. I'll be. I'll probably have tears streaking down my face. But uh, but hey, oh, we shall see. Uh, anyway, it's goodbye from me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm off to count my holes, but quite frankly, <laughs> quite frankly, quite frankly I can't do that for you. <laughs> Ants! <laughs> Ants! Ants! Oh, Ants! Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.